0: I wanna welcome you to the Windsor Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us for our virtual Sunday. Wherever you are, we're excited to be worshiping with you and your family. We would love to hear from you. Please fill out a connect card at wv.church. Here you can share your prayer requests, your God stories. It's a great way to stay in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. We also want you to check out our website at windsorvineyard.church. Here we'll have updates, weekly teaching, as well as a special Vineyard Kids page with videos every week. If you regularly give as a part of your worship, we want to thank you for giving faithfully and ask that you use our online giving platform. You can do this by clicking the Give tab on our website or clicking Give while filling out your Connect card. Thanks again for joining us and being a part of our Vineyard family.
1: good morning everyone welcome to virtual church uh, we're so glad you join us uh, wherever you're tuning in from this morning and I also want to say hey thank you for all the encouraging emails and and posts and notes and text messages it really does it really does help you know when you've when you've tuned in and then you send me little uh, tidbits uh, just love it also I want to say thank you for those of you who have uh, changed from in-person giving to online giving. I know that's a stretch for a lot of us, but uh, we had, uh, I understand, 10 new online givers uh, this last couple weeks. So well done. Good job. It really does help us out a lot. Well, last week uh, I I talked about how we are are not a people who live by fear. I talked about some knots and how we're we're, we're sacrificial, not selfish, and, and that we do not Hide our light, but we let our light shine. And so today I want to kind of continue in that, that theme and, and talk about how we are not stressed, how we are not stressed. If you're taking notes, that's the title of our talk. And I, I want to give you some practical ways uh, from the Bible of how we can detox from stress. Before I start, I just want to pray and invite God's Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. We just invite your presence into the, our time right now. Uh, I pray for, for just your words right now and your wisdom and um, that you'll just speak to every person that's, that's uh, listening and watching in a special way wherever they're at, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you look around, there seems to be a new normal, right? I mean, everything is changing, it's quick. Uh, the word we're using right now in church world is pivot. You gotta pivot, you know, are you pivoting? Are you keeping up? Uh, don't just hunker down. You got to pivot. So, that's been uh, all the meetings I've been in this week. That's with other pastors. That's kind of been the, the word, new normal and pivot. And so, uh, I'm learning a lot of, of new things myself. But uh, I think if you're like me, you just kind of go in and out of being stressed. How, how many are stressed out right now? Raise your hands. Yeah, I, a lot of us are stressed out. And and what stresses me out might not necessarily stress you out. So Some of us, we, we get stressed out when the, when the bank account gets a little bit low. Uh, some of us get stressed out, you know, when there's not a lot of food in the house. I've noticed that with some of the people I live with. When it the, when seems like the food levels are dropping a little bit, there's a little bit of stress. We've got to go to the store. we got to get some food. Uh, the last couple weeks, some people have been very stressed out about, about toilet paper. And uh, if, if you're like me, I get stressed out if I'm in traffic or if I'm late or running late for a flight, although there's not a lot of that going on right now. Um, I get stressed out in loud restaurants. Uh, I, I get stressed out when my kids, as a parent, when my kids are going through something. Maybe they're sick or they're going through something. Uh, it's, it just stresses me out. And many of you who are parents, you understand that. So a lot of different things stress us out. And we'd like to hear from you right now. Uh, wherever you're tuning in from if you're on Facebook would you just comment and and write in and tell us what stresses you out now my stress might not be your stress Uh, I remember a few years ago uh, our our lead pastor uh, Rick Olmstead my friend and mentor uh, if you know Rick he runs a little bit passionate like he gets passionate about things and I love that about you Rick if you're watching but um, There was a time when Rick was just really worked up, a little stressed out about a situation. And I was kind of trying to talk him down, you know, off the ledge and just say, you know, it's going to be okay. God's going to take care of us, you know. We we can have faith. And and he just turned to me and he said, once in a while, just once, I would like you to just be stressed out with me. And uh, I'll never forget that moment. But different things stress different people. So how do we detox from stress as we're living this new normal? Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to refuse to worry. We we have to refuse to worry. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with, with prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, when I look at that, be anxious about... Nothing. I, I don't see a lot of wiggle room. Do you? I don't see a loophole in there. It's like, wait, 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 wait yeah, but there, there's a virus. You know, wait, 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 there's a, you know, I don't see that there. It says that as followers of Jesus, we're not to be anxious about everything, meaning we, we're not to worry about anything. Jesus had a lot to say about this. One time on the side of a mountain, he gave this famous talk. It's, it's, It's been called the Sermon on the Mount. And he dedicated a a large portion uh, of what he had to say uh, uh, to worry. And I want to read that to you. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or or what uh, you will drink or about your body, what you will wear is not the life more than food, and, and the body more than clothes. Um, and you can almost feel like it's just a it brings a calm as Jesus is speaking to these words. He says uh, in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. I think it's interesting that he, he talks about clothes 2,000 years ago, and he talks about food and drink, and uh, if, nothing's changed. We worry about the same things. And he points to the things that are around him. You know, there's a bird over there. Look at that bird. And, and, and that bird, you know, doesn't worry about anything. And, and God takes care of the bird. Um, he goes on to say, uh, See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or span. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today uh, and tomorrow thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. I think it's interesting that he uses this phrase, little faith. It seems like uh, when we worry, it indicates that there's, there's a lack of, of faith. And, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more in one of my points. He says that the pagans run after all these things, people who who don't know Jesus, who are not in a relationship with God. They they don't have the same perspective that we do. I talked about how we look through a lens last week, and we see things different, and we're not normal. And and so in this whole area of worry, we we have to be not normal. And then he gives us a, a solution. He says, here's what you need to focus on, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, get these things in order. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Words of Jesus. So, why should we eliminate worry? Well, one reason, and you know, this isn't rocket science, but one reason is that it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't change anything. Uh, You know, it doesn't make the problem smaller. When I worry, it makes the problem bigger. It it blows it completely out of proportion. Um, It makes it, you know, way bigger than it should be. My high school uh, teacher, Mrs. Whitaker, she was our psych teacher. I don't remember much from high school, but I remember something she said. She said, don't worry. She said, if you can change it, then do it, but don't worry about it. And those were wise words from Mrs. Whitaker. I think she got them from Jesus, but they were wise words. So um, why why should we eliminate worry? Well, another reason is, is it's not natural. I haven't seen any of those Southwest commercials in a while that say that's not natural. Was it Southwest? I'm not sure. I think it was. But that's not natural. I love those. Worry is not natural. You did not come with worry. You were not born with worry. It wasn't something that God gave you. Uh, you know, when you buy a new car, there's a list of, of original equipment on that car disc brakes, maybe, or heated seats, or, or whatever, you know. Um, if you look at your original list, your original equipment that you came with, that God created you, it, it doesn't have worry in there. You wouldn't see it on the list. You know, we're the only created beings that worry. Cows don't worry. Yeah, Jesus has said birds don't worry. Uh, you know, I know we got a lot of cat lovers. Look at your cat. They don't worry. Cats don't worry, do they? No. They cause worry, but they don't worry. Uh we're the only ones that do it. And and it was an add-on. We didn't come with worry. And many of you have perfected it. Sometimes I've perfected it. And we picked it up along the way. I was looking at my granddaughter this week and I was just thinking about worry, and I'm like, she doesn't worry? And I don't want her to worry. I mean, what good grandpa would want their granddaughter to worry? I don't want her to worry about anything. All she does is come over to my house and smile and laugh and crawl around on my floor, and she finds tiny things that my vacuum missed and tries to eat them. And that's all she thinks about. I mean, she doesn't worry about stuff. That's how we were originally created, not to worry. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you learned to worry, then you can unlearn to worry. Isn't that good news? And some of us need to start unlearning worry. In verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, meaning they don't worry about stuff. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Well, how does that happen? I don't know, but it happens. Are you not much more valuable than they, Jesus says. Turn to the person you're with today and say, you are more valuable than a bird. Just say that to them. Or a cat or a dog. God sees you. He knows what you need. Another reason we don't worry is because worry limits our faith. And I'm kind of referring back to that when Jesus said, oh, little faith, you know. You have little faith. It limits our faith and trust in God. What happens is we start going other places for things that we're supposed to go to God for. We start to take on uh, things that we're not supposed to take on. We start to carry burdens that we're not supposed to carry. We try to fix things that aren't ours to fix. They're for our Heavenly Father. They were never intended for us. And we go to the wrong sources. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear and if you jump to the end of 32, it says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He already knows. He already knows what you need. He, he wants to provide for you, but he wants us to come to him for what we need. And and, and if you've been around you know, any amount of time as a follower of Jesus, sometimes God just comes through in the 11th hour. It, it, you know, it's his timing. It's not what we want. It's not what I would choose. But he seems to come through in the 11th hour if we'll go to him. So number one, for stress detox, we refuse to worry. Number two, for stress detox, we talk to God about everything. Talk to God about everything. You know, talking to yourself, it doesn't help. It doesn't work. Uh, Talking on social media doesn't help. Talking to your cat certainly doesn't work. Philippians 4, 6, again, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Take everything to God. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't want to bother him with the small stuff, you know. Take it all to him. He wants to hear from you. There's no area of your life that he doesn't care about. He loves you deeply and he wants you to bring your stuff and your worry to him. I wonder, I wonder, Vineyard Church, if we prayed more than we worry, what would happen? I mean, what would that look like? What could our families look like if we prayed more than we worry? What would our city look like and our our state, northern Colorado and our world even? if we just made a decision to pray more than we worry. You know, one of the problems is when we choose worry over praying, we, we act like God doesn't exist. It, it's almost like an, an, an atheist approach that we're not really trying to do, but that's kind of how we're acting. We're acting like, God, I, you don't really you know, even factor into the equation. I got this. I'm not even going to talk to you about it. So we talk to God about everything. Worry less, pray more, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Number three, for stress detox, we thank God in all things. We thank God in all things. And I I underlined uh, in there for you because I think it's important that it's in all things that we thank God. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, he says. With thanksgiving. When you go to God, you go to him with thanksgiving. Gratitude is the enemy of stress. Gratitude is the enemy of worry. An attitude of gratitude. It's like an antibiotic, a Z-pack for stress and for worry. Gratitude and thanksgiving, it, it takes the focus off of me and puts it where it needs to be. It puts it on God. A couple nights ago, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I couldn't sleep. And I'm just laying there going, oh, morning is coming and I've got a lot to do and I'm going to be so tired and grumpy and, you know, I mean, I've got to go to sleep. You've been there before. And you know what I did? I just started to, to list off things that I'm grateful for. Like like an inventory list, you know. I started with God. You know, I'm I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm th- I'm so thankful for my kids and my grandbaby. I- I'm so thankful for my house. Thank you, God, for, for for that I get to live in Colorado, where there's seasons. I love seasons. Um, you know, little winters, but I love seasons. I'm loving winter less and less as I get older. But I don't want to live somewhere where there's no seasons. I, you know, and I'm thank, I thank God for that. I, I thank him for the, the cool hiking trails that we have around here. I thank him for golf. I thank him for movies and good books. And I thank him for my friendships and, and my memories and this church and you guys. And, and then I, I thank him for memories of my dad, you know, going fishing with him and hunting with him. And you know what happened eventually? It was morning. Like, I woke up because I fell fast asleep. There was like this supernatural peace that came over me that I experienced, and I went right to sleep. An attitude of gratitude. And right now, wherever you're you're watching, we, we would like you to comment and tell us what you're grateful for. Three things. Send us three things right now that you are grateful for. And you don't have to say your pastor um, just use that spot for somebody else, okay? I'm joking, but three things that you're grateful for. And what happens is, uh, I think it's like, kind of like anxiety and and gratitude. They that they, they just can't physically fill the same place in time and space. It, it's just impossible. It's like trying to mix oil with water. You'll find that, that when you have a, an attitude of gratitude that they just can't live together. So when we pray, we're going to ask God for things, but we're going to ask with thanksgiving. And I suspect that this formula is more for us than God. He's not just say, sitting up there going, you know, I just need you guys to, you know, bring it. Tell me how great I am. Uh, we worship God because it's good for us. That's why we worship God. Anything God asks us to do, it's not not for him. It's for us. And this is no different. Number four, we think about good things. We think about good things. Why why did I put that in there? Well, the the war, the the battle against stress, it happens in our minds. It happens in our thoughts. That's where the battle is. And, and what we fill our minds with will determine the level of stress we have. If you want peace of mind, you need to, to limit what you have, you know, flowing in there, what you're bringing in. We, we know this works with with diet. You know, Wendy and I are now a little bit over 50, and there's things that we'll eat, and then we'll look at each other and go, we can't eat that anymore. Yeah, it's at least not after 8 o'clock, you know. I mean, there's just things we we don't eat anymore, because the price that we have to pay is too high. When, you know, when I was in high school, I, I could eat whatever I wanted. Uh, breakfast for me many times was, you know, stop at 7-Eleven, get a giant big big gulp, I think they call them, of Dr. Pepper. Uh, not the diet stuff, the, you know, fully leaded, and, and then one of those hostess lemon pies. I don't know what the sugar content in that, but it's off the charts. And then if I was still a little bit hungry, I'd get one of those hot dogs that had been rolling around there all night long in the in the 24-hour 7-Eleven and, and just cover it in everything I could find. I can't do that anymore. I'll pay a price for that. And it's the same way with what we put in in our minds, It matters what we watch, it matters what we click on, it matters what we read, it matters who we listen to, and sometimes we just need to say, I I need to change the subject, I don't want to have this conversation anymore, we need to change the channel." Uh, I, I need to, you know, get out of this Facebook stream, stream whatever they call it. Uh, you know, I, I need to stop sitting on the couch all day jumping from Fox to CNN to MSNBC uh, to Cheddar. That's one of the new ones. I kind of like Cheddar. I uh, don't know what it's all about, but it seems like for the young folks. Uh, and then while you're sitting there watching these news channels, you got Facebook popping up over here with stuff on your phone. And if I just described you like your last two weeks, Uh, you need to go online at wv.church and and, and request some prayer because we can do better. We we need to fill our minds with with other things. I mean, you know, we all need a little bit of news. We need to look, but, but let's not obsess with this stuff. Back to Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. There it is. That's what you should fill your minds with. And Paul, he describes a filter for us. He gives us eight things to kind of press uh, everything through before we let it go into our minds. Is it true? You know, is it true? A lot of things just aren't true out there. Let's not put stuff that's not true into our minds. You know, you're talking to someone that's known kind of as a gossip or known as, you know, somebody who's unreliable. Refuse to listen to them. Is it noble? That's a great word, noble. It means, does it, does it have high moral principles and ideas? Is it right? I mean, they're still right and wrong. There were some principles that God put into place when He created us. A lot of people live their lives thinking there's no there's no right or wrong, there's no absolutes. It's it's whatever I feel, it's whatever I feel like doing, you know? That's how I live my life. Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable admirable? Meaning, does it deserve respect and approval? Is it excellent and is it praiseworthy? Here here are eight uh, filters for us to to run things through before before we put them into our minds because that's where the battle happens. And you know what I love about these eight things? You know what they have in common? These are all characteristics of God. Think about it. These are the characteristics of God. This is who God is. This is his identity. And so Paul's essentially saying, think about God. Don't think about all this other stuff. Think about God. What you think about will will determine how stressed out you are. What you fill your minds with will determine how anxious you are. In college, I read a book. I had to do a book report. And uh, it was probably short of the Bible, one of the most impactful books that, that I've ever read, even to this day. And many of you have read it. It, it was called The Hiding Place. It was written by Corey Ten Boom. And the Ten Boom family, uh, during, um, during the war, they had a hiding place in their house. And they would hide Jews in, in this space in their house and, and, and save them from the Nazis and, and help them get out of Germany. And my report was focused on a place called Ravensbrück. It was a horrible, horrible concentration camp. It was for women. And the estimates are that they had 132,000 women in there. And not only Jewish, some from Poland and Russia and different places around the world. Uh, The estimates are that over 50,000 died there. It was horrific. The conditions were terrible. And that's where Corey ended up. And she lived to tell about it, where very few did. There are two quotes that, that she said that I think are pertinent to what we're talking about today. The first one is this Corey Tinburn said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. I think that's really profound. The other thing she said is, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, You'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. You know, I can't imagine what she had to go through, but she survived by will alone. She survived because she controlled the one thing that the Nazis couldn't control, her mind, her thoughts. And she focused her thoughts on God. If you read her book and read her writings, That's how she got through this, this horrific time in our history is by focusing on God. Number five, and my final point today, and thanks for being patient and tuning in. We are so glad you're with us. Number five is to learn to be content with what you have. Learn to be content with what you have. Contentment is being satisfied with your current situation rather than looking to the future. So many of us say, if, then, if, then, if I had a million dollars, then, if I only had a bigger house, then, if I had more toilet paper, then, you know, we, we do this if, then thing, and God calls us to be content right where we're at with what we have. Contentment has to be independent of our current circumstances. It has to be. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I am not not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation and any situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. And the way he does this is through the one who gives him strength. I can do all this through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. Now, in this passage in Philippians, there's a promise. Did you see it? It's in two places. It's a detox promise. There's one in verse 7, and there's one in verse 9. And basically what it says, if you will follow these detox steps, you will have peace. You will have peace. You can have peace when, when everything around you is, is unraveling because it's a supernatural peace. Peace is the opposite of stress. So we refuse to worry. We talk to God about everything. We thank God in everything. We think about good things, and we learn to be content with what we have. Today, I'd like to just close in communion. I'd like to lead you in communion. And if you want to press pause and go get some communion elements, uh, I'm going to read a scripture to you and pray, and and we will take uh, communion together wherever you're at. And I'm trying to get my little communion thing open. And it's stuck, so I'm just going to read you the verse. Uh, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was portrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the body together. Father, I thank you for your broken body, for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross so that we can be in right standing with the Father. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death. Until he comes. So right now wherever we are. We're going to drink the cup together. And we're going to proclaim Jesus' death. Father we thank you Jesus for what you did on the cross. For, for, for spilling your blood. That makes us clean. And washes us clean. You paid a debt that we owed and we couldn't pay. So we take this cup now and, and remember you. I'm gonna invite the band up now and I would just uh, encourage you wherever you're at to just join us in, in worship. Thank you for tuning in today.
0: He's never failing. He's never failing. i e... We'll call them each by name. You'll show. that as we walk through this season that you would be making us new, Father. That you would be changing us from the inside. God, that we would look back on this time and, um, and remember it as being a new season with you where you made all things new. Will you come, Jesus, and change us? Change our hearts change our, um, just our ways that we do things, God, the things that we have gotten caught up in that are not from you, God, change those things, God, make us new. All these lungs to sing Once again
2: we'll Praise Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble, Jesus Jesus, you silence fear Oh Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness Trouble, Jesus
3: you uh-huh.
2: darkness drew. true, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. silence fear.
0: For those of you that have wanted to be on the worship team, go grab like a a pot or a pan from your kitchen, and uh, you can do some rhythm with us. (laughs) This can be a family a family band experience here. You guys have a great day today. I pray that God meets you where you are and um, his spirit falls on you. And uh, yeah, just pray that you have an amazing day. Have, Have a great week, everyone.